This week on Phone a Friend. Kim Kardashian got mom shamed on Mother's Day. Martha Stewart is taking a different kind of buns out. Kelly Clarkson might want to break away from her staff. Get it? And it's Whitney Port like you've never heard before. I loved bongs. <laughs> I do not love butt sex. I told you, this episode will change the way you think about the hills forever. So release your inhibitions, feel the rain on your skin. Let's start the show. Girl, let's phone a friend with Jesse Cruikshank. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Phone a Friend. I'm Jesse Cruikshank. And do you hear that? Mm. It's the soft pluck of guitar strings. Dun, 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 and a little trickle of a vocal. Uh huh. And with those notes alone, you know it's time to talk about the hills for the first time in 13 years with the one and only Whitney Port. Release your inhibitions, Jason. It's happening. Hi. Hi. This is a big day for us. Um, hi, Jason. Jason, my producer on Phone a Friend, who, by the way, worked with me as a producer on The Hills After Show. Jason, am I allowed to say this? Can I, can I just tell them? We're recording yeah. this out of order. So I did call Whitney a few days ago. So I can tell our Phone a Friends that this might be the best call I've ever made. Right. I mean, that's what you said when you listened to it. Oh, I agree. Uh, what are we on, like 20... 20- 20 episodes, 15 episodes. It's, uh, I should know that. 15 episodes, yeah. It was my favorite. <laughs> it's the best. It's your favorite. You two were so fun. And she was so open. She's so open. She doesn't hold back. She talks about everything. She talks about how she was cast on the hills, what was real, what was fake, which cast members she doesn't get along with. She tells me who she thinks was the worst dressed. She tells me all about the rumored Lauren Conrad, Jason Waller sex tape. Remember that? Yeah, we're going back there. I'm telling you, today is where your book begins, okay? Also, not sure if you remember this, but I did tell a story on this very podcast about my identical twins accosting and terrifying Whitney's five-year-old on the playground. I confront her about that. I beg for her forgiveness. It's all coming up. And if you watched one episode of The Hills or no episode of The Hills, it's still just like a fascinating conversation about reality television. Agree, Jace? Agreed. Speaking of which... The season finale of Vanderpump Rules aired last night. And because I am a stan, as of a week ago, (laughs) I popped a bottle of Vanderpump Rosé and watched an OMFG. I am in. Bring on the reunions. Jason, did you, you also started watching as of a week ago. I'm into it too. Uh, Start like season one, episode one. Oh my God. You started at the very beginning? My OCD, I had to. Oh my God, good just luck. Just to get the full groundwork. Okay, well you're going to get to the episode, that, the finale that I watched last night in like seven and a half years. Right. Let me know when. <laughs> Can I reveal this? We both started watching last week. We're texting and Jason, I'm pulling up your text message, Jace. I'm, I'm, put, oh no. I'm putting, Jason texted me. Uh, Not me having a huge crush on Tom Sandoval. Oh, my God. And just to clarify, Tom Sandoval is the cheater with the little mustache. And 
to my defense, I'm season one, episode one. So I don't have the background knowledge yet on his toxic behavior. Um, Jason, you have an entire episode of this (laughs) podcast that you produced last week to know about the toxic behavior. But okay, I would like Tom Schwartz, I would accept. Tom Sandoval is a hard never for me. Look at us just talking like Vanderpump fans. Yeah. Vander fans. Did you want to move on? Let's move on. <laughs> How was your Mother's Day? Oh, well, thank you so much for asking. My Mother's Day was great. Um, I, you know, I made it very clear on this show that the only thing I wanted to do was sleep in. And yet at 5.30 a.m., 5.30, Rio and Dre burst into my room, jump on my bed and start singing Happy Mother's Day to you, like the tune of Happy Birthday, but Mother's Day. They wake up the baby who's now screaming, eat boobies. I like feed her with one eye glued shut and then Evan whisk them all away and let me sleep in until 9.30 a.m. Chase, I don't think I've slept in until 9.30 a.m. for at least six years. It was heaven. I wake up, I go downstairs. Evan and the kids had made this beautiful Mother's Day brunch for me, which my children then ate off my plate with their grubby little hands. (laughs) And then we really had no plans. And I realized this. None of my friends had any plans either because all of their husbands were like, here's breakfast. Uh, What else do you want to do? Mother's Day is like New Year's Eve. This is my revelation. You think everybody else has big plans, but then you realize on the day, nobody actually has any plans. So I ended up last minute having like a bunch of mom friends over that night for cocktails in my backyard, which was so lovely. It was just, you know, moms, moms celebrating moms, you know? Oh, and I should tell you this. At my kids' school, they don't celebrate moms or Mother's Day. All of the cards and crafts that Rio and Dre brought home said, Happy Grown-Ups Day. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we go to a rather progressive school. There's lots uh-huh. of diversity. There's many non-traditionally structured families. It's wonderful. It's a, it's a big reason that we chose the school for our kids. But at our school, you I don't know if this is a, a normal thing, but you, you can't even say parent. You have to say caregivers. Like one time I said to the principal, super casually, oh, I'll just see if some of the other parents could help. And she said, do you mean caregivers? And I was like, oh my God, yes, sorry, caregivers. I felt like I was like some Karen, you know? Uh And I never want to be a Karen who like refuses to accept change or adopt inclusive practices. But can I tell you this? When I opened my happy grown-ups day card, there was a little part of me that thought like, really? I grew you in my body. I raise you. I sacrifice for you. I do everything for you. And I get a card that could have gone to you, Jason. Happy, happy grown-ups day to you, you know? And let's throw in our childless technical producer, Rob. Hey, Rob, happy grown-ups day to you, too. I mean, I don't know. And yet, I, I get it. And I, and I want to say this. I am okay with it. I mean, please. I, I know the traditional family structure is changing. I think that's a wonderful thing. I don't want any child to feel left out or less than because they don't have a mother to make an ugly paper flower for. But uh, there is an argument to be made 
that we're, uh, we're, we're taking away a holiday that's been celebrated for over 100 years to acknowledge some of the most underappreciated women on the planet for one day. And we're changing it to protect or, or to shelter kids rather than using it as an opportunity to educate kids, to talk about different family structures and support the kids who might come from a different family background who want to feel included on this particular day. You know? Like our school, for example, our school also doesn't celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa because they don't want to have anyone feel left out instead of celebrating them all and and learning and teaching about the different holidays. I don't know. Uh. That's interesting, though. It's like, don't pretend certain holidays don't exist. Just celebrate them all. Celebrate them all. I, I really feel that way. Do I sound like an elderly Trump supporter from North Dakota, Jason? <laughs> like, no, should I take no, off my I MAGA hat? No. It's tricky, but I understand. Can I ask you this? This is a sort of a personal question, but you have a longtime boyfriend. If you guys decided one day you wanted to have a kid, can you sort of put yourself in that position? Can you imagine how you would feel if your child, who doesn't have a traditional mother at home, was around other kids making Mother's Day cards? I just don't think it would be—it wouldn't affect me personally, and I would surely— tell my child that it shouldn't have to affect them either. It would be an opportunity for you to have a conversation with your child. Exactly. Yeah. Not every holiday is for everybody, I guess. Yeah. There are certain holidays that don't apply to everybody. Right. Um, And it doesn't mean they're wrong or bad. It's just, you know, Father's Day is right around the corner. I don't know. This is something I obviously feel very conflicted about. I Just uh, consider it a conversation starter. Please write me, slide into my DMs, tell me what you think. Like, I feel like in five years, the notion of mothers and fathers is going to be completely eradicated and our kids are just going to call us by our first names and we're going to look back at this episode. Someone's going to post it and cancel me. So uh, let me just end by saying happy grown-ups day. To all of the grown-ups out there, I hope you had a great day being celebrated for being a grown-up. Can I tell you who said, fuck grown-ups day? I'm celebrating Mother's Day. Kim Kardashian. It's been a week. It's been a week. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Kim Kardashian posted an adorable questionnaire that her five-year-old daughter Chicago filled out called All About My Mom. So... Mother's Day is alive and well in Calabasas. I got the same adorable questionnaire from my five-year-old's Rio Andre called All About My (laughs) Grown-Up. I'm holding it right here in front of me. I'm going to read some highlights from Chicago's answers about her mom, Kim. She said, my mom is 22 years old. My mom is really good at going to the gym. (laughs) The best thing my mom cooks is, quote, Mom doesn't cook. She has a chef. I mean, I just I just need to pour one out for the teacher who was sitting there writing that down, like, while making a teacher's salary. Whoo! And now, let me pull out my All About My Grown-Up questionnaires. Same font, same design. All About My Grown-Up from Rio and Dre. They wrote, My Grown-Up is... 16 years old. Yeah, that's what it says. I am 16 years old. I am six years younger than Kim Kardashian, bitches. Which either means I'm radiant and youthful looking 
or I've just done a terrible job of educating my children on basic ages of human beings. But I I think it's my glow. Uh, okay, my grown-up's favorite TV show is... Can you guess what they wrote, Jason? Uh, Pokemelon? <laughs> Good guess. No, Titanic. Oh. Right? Right. Technically not a show, but absolutely my favorite thing to watch. So nailed that. My grown-up's job is, this one made me nervous, phone a friend. Cool. What? I know. Got a little brand mention right there. Even if the teacher writing this down definitely thinks that I'm unemployed <laughs> and just likes to call my friends. And finally, my grown-up cooks the best. They wrote waffles. Which I think this is technically the opposite answer from Kim Kardashian's chef. This is just straight up me putting frozen egos in the toaster every morning. But I do it well. What my kids did not send me was a selfie-style video, but Kim's seven-year-old son, Saint, did. She posted this, and it caused a huge backlash online because of what he says. Listen to this. I know I'm rude to you a lot. I say you're nothing to me. But you mean the world to me. I love you more than anything. People were furious about this, saying Saint is a bad kid for talking to his mom this way. Or as this person put it, quote, Saint West have no business at his young ass age telling his mom she's nothing to him. I would be hurt if my son ever spoke like that to me. She needs to nip that in the bud. That's bad parenting. Can I just jump into the defense of Kim Kardashian for a hot-ass minute? Because that's not bad parenting. That's not a bad kid. That's just a kid. You know, my five-year-olds tell me daily, I hate you, go away, you're the worst, I love daddy. Uh, Seriously. (laughs) And then five minutes later, they tell me they love me, I'm the best, they want to cuddle. I am in an emotionally abusive relationship with two men. And honestly, this video of Saint saying he's rude to his mom— made me feel seen. I mean, his mom takes him to Japan for spring break and he's still rude to her. So am I wrong? Like, don't you think all kids are kind of mean to their parents, Jason? All kids are mean to their parents. Right. I'm still mean to my mom sometimes. Me too. (laughs) I mean, you heard last week, I don't even call her back. And it's not like I just let them say this stuff to me. It's like, it's not okay. We talk about it. They know that. I'm sure Kim does the same thing because she's 22 and has a lot of wisdom. Saint redeemed himself at the end of the video, saying this. You're my favorite in the family. I even love you more than my little, cute little brother, Sam. I love you. Never forget that. Oh, I love that. I also love that he clarified how to pronounce Psalm, and I'll never forget that. And just to conclude this conversation about emotionally abusive children and grown-ups day. Last week, I was FaceTiming with one of my best friends from college. She and her wife just had a baby. And after I hung up, I said to Rio and Dre, did you notice that baby has two moms? Families come in all different shapes and sizes. Some kids have two moms. Some kids have two dads. Some kids just have a mom. Some kids just have a dad. And Rio said, oh, man, I wish I just had a dad. (laughs) And so, (sighs) happy grown-ups day to me. And let me tell you, Father's Day damn well better be called Grown-Ups Day Part 2 or I'm going to start a movement, okay? Mm -hmm. What's next? What's next? 
Ooh, I'm excited for this. Okay, the 2023 Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition came out. And hold on to your muffin trays because Martha Stewart is on the cover. At 81. She's the oldest person to land the cover of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. I'm going to guess by at least 50 years. Have you seen these photos? It's like she's splashing around in bathing suits in the tropics. She's got a tan and a blowout and an ample bosom. I mean, I am jealous of this 81-year-old bosom. She looks incredible. And I'm pretty sure this is all just a publicity stunt by Sports Illustrated to get dummies like me to talk about their magazine. It clearly worked. And I appreciate the fact that we're celebrating the beauty and accomplishments of an octogenarian. I should also mention Martha is one of four cover stars. Megan Fox is also on her own cover. And you know, you know she's out here like, is anyone going to talk about me on the cover? I'm out here dripping wet, nipples out, wearing nothing but chains, and you're all just talking about the senior citizen? I mean, she is pissed. Kim Petras, our our friend, Jason Kim Petras, also has a cover. She's the second Mm -hmm. trans woman to land the cover, uh, along with someone I've never heard of named Brooks Nader. Literally sounds like a leader of the Republican Party, but it is not. It's a woman who doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. I tried looking her up, but when you Google her, it literally just says, currently on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So congrats to her. Here's what I I sort of like, what what keeps me up at night. By age 81, I want to be living my best carefree wrinkly life. I want to not care about my sunspots and my loose skin and looking good in a bathing suit. You know, I want to just let all that go and enjoy the golden years of my life in a mumu. But Martha is still out here sucking it in all to pose in a swimsuit on the cover of a magazine. Why? She told the Wall Street Journal, quote, Usually I'm motivated by pay, but this time I was motivated by showing people that a woman my age can still look and feel good. I love that. I I don't love that the central message is that a woman's value, at least in part, is her ability to look great in a swimsuit, even in her 80s. But Martha also clarified that, quote, looking good and feeling good takes a lot of time, effort, and a billion-dollar insider trading budget. In an interview on the Today Show, she revealed what she did to prepare for the shoot. I didn't starve myself, but I, I didn't eat any bread or pasta for a couple of months. Uh, I went to Pilates every other day. Mm. And I just, I, I live a clean life anyway, mm-hmm. pretty, you know, good diet and good exercise and, and uh, healthy skin care and all of that stuff. In addition to that, She said she gave up alcohol for two months and continued getting regular facials, always wore hats and sunblock, had green juice every day, got a full body wax, a spray tan, took her vitamins and visited her, quote, very good skin doctors. So she changed everything about herself in order to show people how to feel good in their own skin. And listen, if that's what makes her feel good, do you say yes? And you know, Martha is one of those people who says yes to everything. She is the shack of the senior citizen community. When she's not posing for Sports Illustrated, she's hosting a new show with Snoop Dogg. She's roasting Justin Bieber. She doesn't say no. So my producer, Jason, thought it would be fun to put together a list of Martha Stewart projects. Okay, some are very real and some are as fake as her spray tan. I'm going to guess if it's a Martha yeah or a Martha nah. 
Jason, let's play. Marth, yeah, or Marth, nah. All right. Ooh, okay, I'm ready. Okay, ready? I love it. I love it. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. Martha was on season 18 of Dancing with the Stars alongside Candace Cameron Bure and Drew Carey. Oh my God. I should know this because I used to work with CTV at Dancing with the Stars. Uh -huh. Oh my God. I'm going to say this is a Marth, yeah. Wrong. She was not. She no. was approached to be on it, but couldn't make it happen. Oh, oh, I failed the first question. Okay, next. Martha partnered with a cat litter company called Pretty Litter. It changes colors based on your cat's health. Oh my God, this is absolutely true. This is a Martha, yeah. It's true. It's is true. it? It's like the litter go turns purple if your cat has like a urinary tract infection. Oh my <laughs> God, if they had that for human beings, my pee would be purple at all times. Oh, okay, next. Okay, next one. Uh, Martha posed almost nude wearing nothing but an apron in an ad for a pumpkin spice latte. No, this can't be true. Then I feel like this Sports Illustrated thing wouldn't be as big a deal if she had already posed in nothing but an apron. I'm saying this is a Marth, nah. Okay, I, th I had the same thought as you, but it's actually true. Stop. She, it's like Spawn Con on her Instagram. She was basically nude promoting this coffee brand on Instagram. You know, when I think about what it motivates me to get a pumpkin spice latte, is seeing Martha Stewart semi-nude. <laughs> oh, what's next? You have one right, I think, so far. What? Jason, I'm failing miserably. <gasps> okay, two more. Okay. Martha Stewart partnered with a marijuana company to develop her own line of hemp products. This feels like something she would do. She's out homies with Snoop Dogg. She seems like a little bit high. I, I, this is a Martha, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, correct. Yeah. She did. Because her target demo is just looking to get high via gummies, you know? Okay, last one. Martha created the Martha Stewart credit card where you can earn three times the rewards on all home and garden purchases. Oh my God. This is hard. This is hard because it seems very possible at the same time. Like, what? I'm going to go, yes. I'm going to go, yes. After the CBD gummies, she also has a credit card. This is a Martha. Yeah. No. What? Martha. Oh my God. That's like the one thing that my mother would actually get. I mean, she, I know. It's kind of a good idea for her. It feels like a good idea. My mom would be like, oh, I can get 10% off this hanging basket. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, you know what? She's definitely listening to this and she's pitched it already. She's like, yes. guys, let's get me on a credit card. Let's go. Well, <gasps> you know, she's the first. Is it, I don't know if it's American, but first self-made billionaire who's a female. Is she really? Yeah. Either, in the, either of all time or just in America. Do you know what she also is? I feel that Martha Stewart is the first ever influencer. Mm. She started as a model. She's gorgeous. She has this beautiful kitchen, this beautiful life. She's the OG, like, make you jealous with how perfect her life is yeah. influencer, right? Oh, true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm When I go back to college, that will be my dissertation. And that's how you play... Marth, yeah, or Marth, nah. What's next? What's next? Whew. And now that you all have a mental picture of Martha Stewart at 81 years old, standing nude in nothing but an apron, feels like the right time to tell you to dim the lights and slip into something more comfortable than the leggings and oversized sweatshirt you're probably already wearing. It's time for Calling All Thirsty Moms. Calling All Thirsty Moms. 
Disney's remake of The Little Mermaid comes out, and just like I said about the movie Air, I'm absolutely going to see it in theaters. Especially now that a first look at the Mermen has been released. It's a behind-the-scenes shot of three shirtless boys who Jason, my producer, confirmed were of age before allowing me to do this segment. It's true. According to IMDb, they play merfolk in the movie, and I'd like to merfolk each and every one of them. Oh, my God, that's <laughs> They've got long hair, rock-hard bodies with little X's marked on their abs and pecs and pelvic bones for CGI purposes. Also to indicate where I'd like to sha-na-na-na-na-na kisty girl. I mean, what was Ariel thinking wanting to be part of our world? Stay down there, girl, because just looking at these merfolk, I can assure you that, darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Uh, and before I get any wetter, <laughs> this has been calling all thirsty moms. Calling all thirsty moms. Oh, my <laughs> Too much? I Too mean, much? Not enough. Who? What is next? What's next? <laughs> okay, I'm reading this next story. It says, everybody's got a dark side, including the Kelly Clarkson show. Jason, is that a Kelly Clarkson song? Yes, Every- Dark Side. I don't know that song. Oh, you got to look it up. Okay, I will. Uh, it's L- like 2010 Kelly Clarkson. Oh my God, we've gone into the archives. What yeah. about, what about... We know what happens behind Kelly Clarkson's hazel eyes, but what about behind the scenes of her talk show? It works. Former employees of Kelly's daytime talk show spoke to Rolling Stone in a bombshell expose claiming there's a toxic work environment and harmful culture taking place behind the scenes at the show. Allegedly. And this is crazy because not only is Kelly Clarkson known to be one of the kindest celebrities on the planet, like Jason, I know you've interviewed her many times when you were at MTV. Yeah. She's great, right? Yeah, she was amazing. She was one of those, like three or four times we interviewed her and it was... She was one of those rare people who remembers you from last time and, Mm. you know, says, how are things going? Like, she just, like, warm and friendly. Oh, I love that. And her show is branded warm and friendly. Like, literally, the Kelly Clarkson show is, quote, an uplifting daytime destination for humor, heart, and connection. So, this is big news. And if you're not caught up, here are sort of the cool notes. The staff says... There was mistreatment and favoritism from producers. Allegedly. An executive yelled and cursed at them multiple times on stage. Allegedly. Some of them would climb up into the rafters of the set to cry. Allegedly. Inadequate pay forced them to babysit and deliver Uber Eats on the side. Allegedly. Bullying and lack of accountability from the executive producer. Retaliation for filing HR complaints. Allegedly. The list goes on. And for the record, it took me 12 takes to get my kids to say anything that sounded remotely like (laughs) allegedly. (sighs) Ah, Jason, my life would suck without accountability. (laughs) Right? Did you get that Uh, one? And I really, I, I hate to say this. I really do. As someone who has worked in television for more than I'm 15 years, all of that sounds kind of normal for working in TV. There are a lot of amazing things about working in television, but it's 
never as glamorous as anybody thinks. I think anyone who's worked in television would agree. There are weird hierarchies. There are egos to manage, absurd hours, low pay, no budget, outrageous amounts of pressure, especially when you're producing a show every single day. It's not glamorous. It's not easy. And there's sort of this idea that like, well, you should be so lucky to work here. You know, there are thousands of people who would want this job. And I think that's why nobody really speaks out about it, because you're just supposed to deal with it. I mean, Jace, you and I have worked on all kinds of different shows together. Mm -hmm. Talk shows, game shows, news shows, morning shows, daytime shows. There's always a little bit of toxicity, right? Yeah, honestly, yeah. And, you know, I never really would have labeled it toxic. I know, we didn't even know what that word was. Right. I always just sort of was like, oh, like TV's a little tough. Like you, mm-hmm. you need to have thick skin. Uh-huh. Again, not to your point, not to say it's appropriate or right. It's just, it's kind of what I knew of. It kind of, many times you're, you should be so lucky to work here. Right. And you're just sort of brainwashed into thinking, yeah, I am. Right. Exactly. Like, wait, can you think of a single show where the environment was like free of any drama or issues? Oh, no, I don't. No. I really, I, I can't. I, I never, I don't believe I ever have worked on like a drama-free set before. And I worked on a show for two seasons, day in, day out. Worked so hard. Killed myself on that show. I never got one compliment from the executive producer. Not once did she say like, hey, good job. That was funny. Nice work. Not one time. I would go home and cry every night wondering if like she hated me, if I was doing an okay job. And when I finally asked why I never got any feedback, she said, "Ugh, you millennials always looking for validation. Just put your head down and do the job. Period. There's a real what doesn't kill you makes you stronger (laughs) attitude in television. And we would never dream of going on record to Rolling Stone as a way to deal with it. Can you imagine? You learn to never say anything about it because if you do, you will be replaced. And when Dan was on this podcast, we we talked about sort of the toxic times at MTV. There was a little dash of homophobia. There was a now criminally charged sex offender rubbing his naked body up against people on camera for comedy. We didn't go to the Toronto Star to expose anyone at the time. We didn't say anything. So maybe this is a generational thing, but I, I don't know. It does feel appropriate to speak out. So hopefully we can change the standards for people moving forward, you know? I should also say that a lot of the Kelly Clarkson Show staff have spoken out saying these claims aren't true. And apparently, when the truth came out, is that another Kelly Clarkson song? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) low. From when? Low, like her, it was like her like second single. Oh my God. Okay. Kelly was the last to know. Is that another song? That like, that's the same song. When the truth came out, were you the last to know? You know, you sounded just like Kelly there. Uncanny. <laughs> In a moment like this, the whistleblowers <laughs> have all said that Kelly has nothing to do with the show's toxic work environment. They say they'd be surprised if she even knew what was going on. I'm going to come out and say I'd be surprised if she didn't. I've been in that position as the host of a show. If she is at all involved in the production, she knows. I mean, maybe there's a world where she just shows up for 45 minutes while on a break from The Voice and shoots the show without any interaction with the team. But my feeling is that there is no way that many people, 10 people, allegedly could have been so unhappy with her not being witness to any of it. 
Kelly put out a statement on Instagram saying, quote, I love my team at The Kelly Clarkson Show, and to find out that anyone is feeling unheard and or disrespected on this show is unacceptable. She also said she'll introduce, quote, leadership training for all of the senior staff, including herself, in order to eradicate the toxicity. Actually, let me say that a couple years ago, I worked on a production that did have leadership training Uh before the production kicked off. And that was like actually one of the healthiest work environments I'd been a part of it. Yeah. It actually worked. I, I mean, I, this is all this is all good. This is all good for the show and it's good for this industry in general, I think. And in other news, Kelly uh, will be removing her cover of the song Toxic from her Kellyoke set list. I don't know that that would kick things off right around this time. Maybe I can talk to my phone a friend about her work environment on a little TV show called The Hills. Should we get to it? What's next? Oh my God, I'm so excited. So last week I called Vanderpump Rules cast member Sheena Shea to explain a reality show I had never watched. Today, I'm calling The Hills star Whitney Port to explain a reality show I watched every week for five years. And yet somehow... 13 years later, I still have so many questions. It's time to phone a friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. I am calling Whitney Port, star of MTV's The Hills and The City. She's a mom. She's a wife. She has a podcast, a YouTube channel, a clothing line, a merch line, an online store. She's also in the middle of renovating her house and filming all of it. She's very busy. And so I really hope she answers. Hello. Hello. Oh my God. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I'm actually like, I can't even tell you how happy I am to talk to you. Oh my gosh. Same. I feel <gasps> like it's been way too long and you are such a pivotal part of the Hills history and like what it became. And I just loved you every time we got to come to see you guys and do the after show. We always had the best time. Okay. That was like my number one question, which I want to get to was like, did you actually like coming to Toronto? I did. Did you really? Oh my God. I felt like Everyone there took such good care of us. Everyone was so nice. Like you and Dan were the loveliest. I I loved going. I was I was like totally into it. And also for me, I think at the time the after show was big and when I remember going there was I was coming from New York, so it wasn't like difficult for me to get to and I yeah, I loved it. Right. You were filming the city yes. around the time where you started. Oh my God. Yes, okay. Yes, we have yes. so much to get so to. So much to I cover. Just, I need to get something out of the way. Okay. First, go, 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 go. Which is that we live in the same neighborhood. Stop it. We could be doing this in person right we now. We should be doing this in this person. This is crazy. Um, it's crazy. <gasps> it's crazy. <Whitney> <laughs> We Wait, also this is so have, fun, though. Like, regardless so of this, fun. like, this is so great to know another Valley girl here. I know. And we have five-year-old boys. I, like, vaguely remember us being pregnant around the same time. Yeah, I feel like the last time I ran into you, you were, like, coming out of the e-offices and I was walking in. Yes. But I don't know, like, I... Maybe you were pregnant. No, were you pregnant? No. No. We might have had babies. Okay. But I have to tell you something that occurred on the playground. Tell me. I have five-year-old identical twin boys. Oh, my God. like, two boys with the same face. Oh, my God. That's so nuts. They were once at the park with your 
child, Sonny. Stop, stop. And they were like, oh, we want to play with him. But they're identical twins. So they, like, surround him like the fucking Shining. He's like, I think they were what like four years. He's on? like, what is going on? He starts crying. No, I stop. know it's your child. Stop. I felt so bad. I had to, like, pull my boys away. And your husband was there with Sonny. And it was, like, a whole thing. And I just wanted to apologize <sighs> and um, say, will you forgive me? That is <laughs> So crazy, first of all. Yeah. I feel like, you know how kids have really weirdly good memories? Like, I wonder if I asked Sonny if he Please. remembers that happening, if he remembers, like, the same person in front of him. I really t- hope he doesn't. If he does, he needs to start therapy immediately. Please. I'm sorry. I I apologize that my son, like, had that kind of reaction. I guess, <laughs> like, I never do. have explained to him what identical twins are before. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. And it can be. I'm even Sometimes they make me cry when they approach. Right. So, um, will you agree to a play date in the future? Oh my God, please. I would love that. I would okay. love that. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, so fun. Okay. So here's what I want to know from you because okay. this happens to me all the time. You've done so much since The Hills in the City. It has been such a joy to watch you flourish doing everything that you're doing. Thank but you. when people approach you now, is it always about The Hills? Yeah, it's mostly about the hills or most recently about our YouTube channel where we're rewatching the hills and the city yes. stuff. So like, yes, it's that's the biggest thing I ever did really. Like even Timmy will say, Timmy, my husband, like mm-hmm. he he comes from a TV background. He was a producer and he's always like, there's no platform like a TV show. Like right. even social media where you know like how many followers you have, how many people, are are engaging with you. There's like a different level of exposure that a TV show does. And yeah. it really is like your 15 minutes to do the most with, you know? So yeah, I would say most, it's always like, oh my God, like, like, um, loved you from the hills. Like, are you and Lauren still best friends? Mm. You know, or or they're like, was it fake? Like, those are the two biggest questions I get asked. Oh my god! Well, I'm going to ask you both of those questions today. Yeah. So thanks for <laughs> thanks for the heads up. Yeah. I never. It's always for me. I'm like, I've done seven thousand things, million things. Then, yeah, but it never bothers me. No, because I I don't. I feel like I was disconnected from this cultural phenomenon because we were sort of a part of it. That we didn't realize how big of a deal it was at the time. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So I like appreciate it. I do too. I I think like it gives me a good perspective on it. And I think that it's like my foundation of my career. And Uh yeah, I... Like, I wouldn't do it right now again, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I definitely Mm -hmm. don't want reality TV cameras in my house, nor would my husband even allow it. But um, (laughs) but it was, like, the perfect time in my life to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back to that perfect time in your life. We are going to talk about Whitney Port 2023. No, yes. Who is Whitney Port Rosenman. Yes. Yes. But first, we're going to go back. The year is 2006. Okay. Jen Bunny is stealing our boyfriends. 
Boho belts are going on baby doll dresses. Tiny braids are holding our hair back. You're starring on a little show called The Hills while I am hosting The Hills After Show in Toronto. Uh If you could describe that era in one word, Whitney Port, what would it be? Oh, my God. Like blackout. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Wait, blackout as in Heidi Montag's hit single or just blackout as in the true meaning of the word? No, like literally did not even realize that she had that that as a single. No, I have an illness. Oh my God. I love your Hills like trivia. Oh, this is the best. So blackout as in like in terms of the show happening and everything that was happening at that time, I think it was just sensory overload. And I was so overwhelmed that there's so much that I don't remember from then. But I also was like a totally normal college student. I was a junior at USC. So a school in downtown LA. And like that was 90% of my life was just being like a normal college student. And then the producers would call me to come film with Lauren for my like internship. And we weren't filming my personal life. Like I had a boyfriend off camera, like I had a whole fun college life. So it was like a weird duality at that time. Like I felt like I was living very alternate realities, but I think it's also like how I stayed sane and how I didn't Mm. like get wrapped up and stuff because I, I really always did have a mission of like going to school and having a career and that whole thing. Yeah. I love how you're like USC. This It's just this school downtown. It's like one of the best <laughs> schools in the country. I don't even think I knew that. So you were you actually an intern at Vogue? Like- so, well, I was, I was interning at Women's Wear Daily, which is in the same building as Vogue. And yes. I heard that an internship was opening up at Teen Vogue. So I actually applied as like a regular intern to Teen Vogue. And then the next thing I know, I I just gave them my resume. Um, didn't have like an, an interview or anything. The next thing I know, an MTV producer calls me and is like, we are filming a show with Teen Vogue. We're doing casting and we saw that you applied for the internship. Like, would you be willing to do a casting tape for us? So I remember I was like going out of town with my family and I had to like go to Walmart and Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri and like buy camera equipment and stuff. And oh my God. I got on the phone with the producer on speaker and like had a camera in my parents' bedroom facing me. And they just like asked me a bunch of random questions about my life. And then the next thing I know, they were like, okay, come in for your like actual interview with Lisa Love, the editor. And we're going to be, we're going to be filming it. Was that on camera? Yeah. So this was on camera. So I'm, and this is like the first episode of the Hills. So I, I walk in in like my paisley vintage dress with the big buckled belt and the cowboy boots and like the bleach blonde curls. Oh my God. The cowboy boots. Yes. And she called me matchy matchy. So that was my Mm. first ever day of filming. And I'm okay. So I'm walking in, there's like I'm understanding I'm filming a show at this point. Like I'm a producer is calling me and telling me where to meet and when to walk in and I'm getting mic'd and the whole thing. But I'm sitting in the waiting room and Lauren Conrad walks in and Uh I know who she is because I had watched Laguna Beach. And then it was like that moment for me where I realized 
that I was filming her spinoff show. Oh, and my God. Yeah. Like I was just told I was going to – I was like interviewing for this position where I was – if I got the job – I still didn't even know if I was getting the job at Teen Vogue, but that I was interviewing for this job at Teen Vogue and it was – this TV show was going to be about girls living in Los Angeles, doing various things. One was going to be in music. One was going to be in nightlife. I would be in fashion. And then oh next thing God. I know, it's like this already built-in, you know, empire. Like I, th- that show yeah. was so big. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like, this is so crazy. I just got <gasps> called matchy-matchy on Lauren Conrad's spinoff. Yeah, exactly. And that then is like, crazy. And then I'm like, do I even want to do this? Like, do I even want the job? Like, I, do I want to be on reality TV? Like, what yeah. is happening here? And it was this Twilight Zone. And then I, I – um, MTV calls me and tells me that I get the job with Teen Vogue, which is always funny. Like no one from Teen Vogue called right. me. <laughs> um, but some like I think it was Sophia who you probably met yeah. and talked yes. chatted with. Um, she calls me like you got the job. Like oh MTV will be in touch with like details and everything, but you know, you got the job and then that's how it all started. So were you like, did I get the job at Teen Vogue or did yeah. I get the job on it? Like what? Yeah. Where the, where's the line? So then I slowly realized that I wasn't really needed at Teen Vogue. Like I wasn't being called in by them, but I was being called in by MTV. And that's just then the the relationship that became established. We got to work and there was always a storyline that that was the like the reason why we were there you know working yes. together was so that it was like a backdrop for her to tell me what was going on in her life but right. we were given just like random tasks when we showed up yeah oh my god yeah. okay so now that really brings us to the question of like there are still articles and still people coming up to you asking yeah. you if the show was fake. So right. how fake was it for you? I mean, there were aspects of it that were very, very produced. And like, I don't even like to use the word fake because I don't want to, I like, I don't know. Yeah. It just, it's like, I don't like it for that. For some reason, it makes it feel like we were like all yeah, because we weren't like, there was so much real shit that was yes. actually happening, but what we had to do was like relive it and talk about it more than we would normally and care about it more than we normally would. And then people's behaviors were changing because we were on TV shows. So like natural drama obviously happens, but in terms of me showing up to film and stuff, it was a lot of, if there was real stuff going on that they would really want to cover it. But if there wasn't, they were always trying to figure out like what they could follow as a storyline, you know, like Mm. I was single and they were like, oh, it would be fun to like see you on a date. And so they set up like a date with Jared, the trainer with like, which like I normally would never go on a date with him, Ah. honestly. Like no offense, he's just not my no. my type, and Please. so then they they would like create those kind of scenarios. But you know right. all that, I I always feel like I wasn't on the inside inside, but like uh-huh. I, I know that that's the stuff with Lauren and Heidi was like really happening, and that beef was real, and um, but yeah, a lot was just like magnified. 
Well, that's how I felt, too, because yeah. on the after show, we would get unfinished versions of the episodes early. Yeah. And there would always be, like, temp producer voiceovers in places where you guys would come in and revoice. Have to do, like, yeah, yes. It was mostly, like, to craft a story, right? Exactly. The, it would be, like, a raspy man in the middle of a scene with you and Lauren pretending to be you saying like, wow, Lauren, you should have gone to Paris. Yeah, exactly. And then in the final episode, it would be you saying that. Like, so wow, we Lauren, you should have that- gone to Paris. Yeah, like <laughs> we had every single week we would, ha- I, we would have to go for VOs to, um, yeah, like a random recording studio and yes. do lines. And then that was like a whole other negotiation because you knew that they were popping them in there for a reason to like fill in certain gaps. And so that was also like, I always say the hardest part about filming the show was just like the manipulation and the having Mm. to maneuver and deal with the producers about how you were going to be edited, you know, because you just, it's like, you knew what you were signing up for. You knew that you were on a reality show. Like you had to be game for so much, but it was always so hard for me because I just never wanted my words to be twisted. I just hated that part of it. But you somehow, so people always ask me, my questions I get are like, who was the nicest in the cast? People always want to know. And I always say it was you. And that's like no offense to anyone else. Well, maybe some of them. But Ooh. you were like truly so down to earth. Thank you. So kind. I always felt like, does she even want to be on TV? Like she's <laughs> such a real person, yeah. right? Yeah, it was. How? I didn't. Like I never liked filming. Honestly, it sucks because I wouldn't, I don't regret it for a second. Like if uh-huh. I had the opportunity, if I was in the same position, I would do it all over again. But of being on camera definitely like didn't come super natural to me. Like I didn't really, it wasn't like I was trying to be discovered or like I, it was just the right place at the right time. And I think that I ended up getting comfortable. Like there was a little bit of something in me that was a performer growing up. Like when I was in elementary school, I was always on like the student council and was like the president of my school in elementary school. And then like I, I was a dancer. And so I always had like a little bit of a performative quality in me, but I, so I think that that like kicked in and I was able to kind of like hold my own in that way. But I also like never wanted to be famous for being like dramatic and causing shit. Like I just didn't want that kind of fame. And I felt like I knew how to maneuver my way through it. And you did. And like, to your point, there, it really felt like as the years went on, the drama was unfolding about shit that was off camera. Yes. One time, Dan and I had Audrina and Lauren on together yeah. about an episode where, like, they were cool in the episode. Yeah. But I guess they had gotten into a fight on the plane over yeah. or, like, at the hotel room about a yeah. manager. And so at the last minute, they told us they would not appear on stage together. Was- they wanted separate green rooms. They wouldn't make eye contact. And Dan and I had to be like, what a great episode. Like, neat job. It was – I've never felt more so uncomfortable. uncomfortable. I know. It was so crazy, the tension that that you could feel within the cast members. And that's why yes. also like when I had so much anxiety doing The Hills' new beginnings because of that, because like you just couldn't – you would never know how – 
people were going because people did really behave like insane people off yeah. camera and people were <laughs> like people were actually really really fighting um yeah. and pe- like yeah i don't i it's that's what's crazy what i think what was causing a lot of the drama was when people were starting to do things for the fame and yes. you couldn't really call it out or talk about the real thing that was happening because the producers never wanted to pull back the curtain on that stuff, you know? Like yes. now in reality shows, they do. They talk about like headlines and what people talked about, that people talked about each other in podcasts and like articles, the quotes people say, like well, all that stuff is all you know, bolded in. Bold, but yeah. now it's not. It, I mean, when we were doing the hills, it wasn't. I know, and there mm-hmm. was no social media. Right? No, like it wasn't no. real. But it was peak Perez Hilton, peak us weekly, peak tabloid culture. True. How did that all work? Like, did the cast members call paparazzi to take pictures? Did the show producers leak stories? All of it. All of it. All of the uh-huh. above. Like, there. Uh, I. I you know, I can't say like for sure anything, but like, I don't begrudge anyone for doing that. And I've definitely like, I have a photographer that lives in the Valley where if I'm like, I'm looking cute, I'm like, oh, can you come do like a street style shoot shot of me? And like, I don't think that's like, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but yes, like everyone during the time had publicist pretty much. I remember that being like a big thing and the publicists were either like leaking things or pitching things and the producers, I think we're definitely doing that as well. I mean, I can't, I can't say for sure, but I feel like, yeah, all in the sake of producing that kind of off-camera drama. I just need to go back to the fact, like I am obsessed with you just telling me that you call paparazzi to take pictures of you because on your Instagram you have all these pictures where you look incredible. You're like walking to a car. These are recent photos. And I'm like, what? How do they just sit outside of her house? Why does she always look put together? No, no. Like okay. sometimes there are in the valley, there's like a lot of level like D celebs, I feel mm, like. I'm one of and them. Go on. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm like <laughs> F, okay. And <laughs> and there and so there's there, there's like paparazzi around like this area. So it's either they'll catch me randomly or I like if yeah, if I'm looking really cute and I really want a photo for my for my social yeah. and I don't have like I don't I don't my I'm not gonna like tell my husband to come like do a photo shoot with me on the street. Then you know, yeah. So embarrassing then, who would yeah. ever do that. Yeah. Cut to my husband like almost getting hit by a car taking a picture of me the one day I look cute. I hate it. I hate asking him. It's so embarrassing. You're getting an air horn sound effect for that. Oh my god, stop, stop, stop. I love it. Were there any uh, headlines about you that were totally untrue? Yeah. So, okay. Speaking of the Perez Hilton era, Mm. this was like friendship ending too, which was so Mm. sad. But I mean, there were other things that were happening in the the friendship. So, but like (laughs) this, it makes me giggle every time I think about it. Um, So we were coming out of like a nightclub really drunk one night. As you did in 2008. Yeah. Mm. And there's like a swarm of paparazzi outside the nightclub. And we're like whatever having fun and my friend screams like like something about me 
something about bongs and something about butt sex. Like Whitney <sighs> loves like bongs and butt sex or like some, I don't know if it was in the same sentence or I don't know. It was like some nonsense that came out of her mouth. While and drunk then, leaving a nightclub. Yeah. She thought it would be funny. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then, and then the headline the next morning on Perez Hilton is, and it's like me walking out of the club, like drunk. It's like Whitney Port loves bongs and butt sex. No. Yes. Yes. And to confirm, yes. do you love bongs and or butt sex? Okay. At the time, I loved bongs. <laughs> I do not love butt sex. I do not love butt sex. <laughs> um, but oh yeah, I mean, that wasn't oh wrong. God. That wasn't wow. wrong. Uh, and that was I friendship then, ending with this with I the mean, girl. There were so many other things that were happening and happening in our relationship. Um, <sighs> and like, I love her so much. She was such a good friend to me. I really hate even like talking about it because it actually makes me really sad. Yeah. But but uh, yeah, that was so. I oh, died God. that day and immediately called like a um. What do they call them? Like the, a crisis like, management. A crisis management. Like no. called. Yeah, like called. Um, it was Lauren's publicist at the time because I don't think I had my own at the time. Uh-huh. And I was like, what do I do? Like, what do I do? And she was like, I think at the time she said, like, I can I can maybe see if they can change the title or something. Um, and like, you just have to write it out. Like, it's not going to – It's it's like – it's going to get blown over. So, yeah. You wrote it out. I just wrote it no out. pun intended. Yeah, oh, I died. My. I was like, oh, my dad. Like, what? <gasps> I know. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Yeah. So now let's get to the question that everybody asks you. Do yeah. you still talk to Lauren? Yeah. So like casually here and there, like, hey, how are you? That kind of thing. Um, yeah. But we're not like close friends. Yeah. Were you ever? Um, yeah. I mean, there were times in while we were filming the show where we were like traveling a lot together and, you know, like when we went to Paris and we had like really major bonding moments. But yes. we were never um, like we were never best, best friends. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think like for me, honestly, I kind of kept my guard up a little bit because I didn't really at the time want to be so involved on the show. Yeah. And I think that that's, like, what the cast members, like, will say about me now is that they always felt like I didn't want to be with them or hang out with them. And it wasn't that. Like, I would have if there were no cameras. Like, I thought they were fun and, like, really got along with everyone. But I just really didn't want to, like – party and like be drunk on camera, honestly. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Do you know this is like a full uh, footnote, but I was in the Bahamas covering the Miss Universe pageant when Heidi Montag performed Stop. said Miss Universe pageant and her and Spencer found me and were like, come clubbing with us today. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's hilarious. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So I go at like 1 a.m. after the performance, I show up. They're super, everyone is drinking. Yeah. Like it's, and they said to me, where are your cameras? And I was like, oh, I thought you just invited me. And they were like, no, no, go Stop. get go get your crew. <sighs> so I was like, okay. So I knock on the doors of my poor, like, middle-aged men who were there to film this thing with me, wake them up, no. drag them to the nightclub. No. Oh, yes. And Hattie and Spencer were like, 
making out and doing shots and grinding on each other for what, my cameras. Whatever happened with that footage? Oh, it's on YouTube. Oh, oh it is. There is a lap God. dance that people will still send me that I don't know how to take down. Oh, my but like, God. It felt to me like they couldn't do. First of all, I was offended because I thought they wanted to hang to out, hang with, out me. with you. Uh, oh, no. I know. I and they didn't want to do anything tricky. not on camera. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, I'm curious about when you decided to do The Hills New Beginnings because yes. – I don't think Dan and I have ever talked about this publicly, but we had a conversation about coming back and doing the after show. We obviously did not. What made you decide to go back? Um, I think that I was just like, this is just continually good exposure for me. You know, mm. like I know that Timmy's not going to be on it and they're not really going to show what's going on here at home. So if I can kind of play the role that I played on the Hills, like be the friend or whatever yeah. it was like that, I thought that that worked for me. So yeah. I did that. And then it was okay, but like eh, some stuff happened and like got misunderstood and then Spencer like blocked me and got mad at me and that was like traumatic for me because I became just – I'm not used to that kind of confrontation with him yes. and he um, – I just didn't like it. It really didn't feel good and there was like one night of filming where he where they like went off on me and I was like, oh my God, I – don't want to do this again. And then the second season came back around and like uh, I was considering it and then COVID happened. And mm. then I was like, oh, I really don't want to do this anymore. And so they just, they continued to film during COVID and I just didn't do it. Got it. Yeah. I just like, I didn't, I, I kind of wish that it was with the old production mm -hmm. crew. Like I felt, um, like the producers came in and didn't really understand us as like humans and talent. They, and they, I don't know. I think that they tried to produce us in a way that I, I, I just didn't, it wasn't like an enjoyable experience for me. That's interesting. So, and if it makes you feel any better, Spencer's also blocked me. Oh, so, okay. Friends, so, <laughs> sisters. I think it's, yeah. Do that. Um, yeah. I yeah. think that he probably has like everyone in his life at some point in time, right? Like it feels like, yeah. I know. I, know. I don't think I've, I, I think he's the only person who's ever blocked me. Yeah. I feel, it's some, I feel privileged to be honest. Yeah. Um, I just want to see if you'll spill the city or run for the hills. Thank you. With a little <laughs> game called Will Wit Admit or Omit. Will Wit Admit. Or omit. Thank you again. I'm going to ask you three controversial questions about the hills. You have to answer two of them openly and honestly. Okay. You can only omit one of them. Are you ready? Ready. Fuck, Mary, kill, Spencer Pratt, Justin Bobby, Brody Jenner. Okay. Um, fuck, Brody, mm. Mary, Justin, Bobby, mm. kill, Spencer. <laughs> 
Sorry. I mean, the killing is obvious, but it's between the fucking and marrying that you really... Yeah, I just feel like Justin and I, I've always gotten along so well with Justin and like mm. we laugh because we're both, we always like our birthdays are around each other and okay. I don't even know anything about astrology, but we're always, we have like an inside thing about us being Pisces and like sensitive oh, and uh... and he's, I just, I, I really like, I, I think he's so sweet. So I have like a special connection with him. <laughs> I love that. Was yeah. there also a bong related connection? No, I honestly, I never, okay. I never did drugs with any of them. Okay, <laughs> okay. okay question Only number drink. two. Yeah. Okay. You had the best style of the Girls on the Hills. Who had the worst? Oh my God. Um, I would probably say uh, Stephanie Pratt. Oh my God, I didn't even think of her. Thank you for reminding us all. Mm -hmm. What do you, you think about that answer? I think it's a flawless answer. Yeah, I think I was so like too. wavering on Audrina, but <laughs> I was she's too. I was such too. a sweet angel. She, I can't, I know, can't. I adore her. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she always, Audrina like always looked hot. Like even if it wasn't necessarily mm. what I would choose, like she always looked hot. Like she Absolutely. knew there was, like, she had like a vibe. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is so okay, fun. Okay, last question. Did Lauren and Jason have a sex tape? <laughs> I hate that I just asked. Oh you that. my god. Um Oh my god. Um I would probably say uh And that, ladies and gentlemen, is called a cliffhanger. Whitney Port, everybody. See what we did there? I know, I know, I'm sorry. I hate myself, but we talked for so long and she shared so much and her answer to that question about the alleged sex tape is like so unexpected. You have to come back next week for part two with Whitney Port where she reveals so much more, like how she met her husband. Timmy basically gave me an ultimatum. <gasps> Which cast member from the city scared her? I, too, with her was, like, guarded because I think I was a little bit, like, nervous of what this was going to be. What Hills-era trend she hopes never comes back? No. Like, Done. no. No, Done. no, no. Like, Done. that's not the proportion I feel like that works best for people. And whether or not the sex tape is real. I could see myself doing something like that at that age. She's a truth teller. I'm a truth teller. You are a truth teller. All that and so much more is coming up next Thursday on Phone a Friend. And for the record, Whitney and I are now official friends. We had a play date this week and her son did remember being traumatized by my boys, but sweet little angel found it in his heart to give them another chance. The three of them ended up playing so well together. Whit and I had a chance to ignore them on the playground for more than two hours and just catch up. And it was so nice. So like no big deal, not bragging, but new mom friend alert. <laughs> That is a big deal. It's hard to find cool mom friends. I'm just truly so happy we reconnected and there is so much more to come next week. But first, after the break, a caller reveals intimate details about her back tattoo and I reveal intimate details about my husband's tattoo dedicated to me. I'm checking my voicemail next.
are back. And last week, Jason and I told a story about how we were at the Atlantis Resort in the Bahamas. No big deal. For the Miss Universe pageant. Okay, this is the same trip that I just told Whitney about where Heidi and Spencer invited me to go clubbing with my camera crew. On this same trip, I interviewed then-owner of Miss Universe, Donald Trump. And even more historical... The same trip that we saw a large man in front of us in line for the Lazy River inner tube water slide with a massive back tattoo that said Florida. At least I thought it said Florida until Jason told me that it said Flo Rida because the man was Flo Rida. And I guess we didn't tell the story very well, Jason, because this phone a friend had serious questions. Let's check my voicemail. Check, check, check your voicemail. Hi, Jesse. This is Haley calling from Calgary. I was just watching your Instagram story feed, and I saw a picture of the Flo Rida tattoo. And I just have to tell you that until that very moment, The way that I understood the story that you told in the last episode of your podcast about seeing that tattoo and thinking it was Florida was that it was just some random person who had Flo Rida tattooed on their back. I had no idea that it was actual Flo Rida, the rapper, singer, whatever you want to call him. And that led me to wonder... If you were to get a giant back tattoo, what would you get? I unfortunately made the mistake of having a Pegasus unicorn tattooed on my back when I turned 18. Um, So assuming you didn't make that same mistake, what horrendous back tattoo would you get? Thanks. Love your show. Bye. Oh, my God. Haley, Haley, Haley. Haley from Calgary with the Pegasus unicorn back piece. First of all, really sorry for the confusion. Yes, we were in line for a water slide behind Flo Rida, like actual apple bottom jeans boots with the <laughs> fur, Flo Rida. Hard for him to stay anonymous when you have your name tattooed across your back, you know? It was not just like a random man in line in front of us with a large scale Flo Rida tattoo on his back. But I, I guarantee you that man exists. You know, there is someone out there who just really connected with Right Round featuring Kesha and got Low Rida <laughs> tattooed across his back. Footnote, this weekend, inspired by my own podcast, I started banging Low Rida essentials, Jason. And may I just say, goddamn, my house is a jam. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Thank you. My friends from Toronto came to stay in our guest house for the weekend, and when they walked in, I literally ran out with the speaker playing this. Oh, it just, it just felt right, you know? I don't think they appreciated it or even heard what I was playing, but still, it really worked for me. As for your back tattoo, Haley, oh, my God. At least you don't have to look at it. And usually when you get a back tattoo, like you at 18 in Alberta, you're you're young. You know, you're not thinking about the long-term repercussions of possibly living with someone who will have to look at the Pegasus unicorn forever. And I'm sure it is a stunning Pegasus unicorn that you picked right out of an absolutely artistic book of tattoo options in the tattoo parlor. But still, if you're in a relationship, your back tattoo affects your partner much more than it does you. Jason, do you know what I always think about? 
Mm-hmm. I think about our former MTV colleague, Charles. Yeah. I, I don't know if anyone remembers this. He once, he was like, uh, he worked behind the scenes, okay? He was young. He was, he one time was dragged onto MTV Live, lost a bet on the show, and had to get the host, Darren Jones's face tattooed on his butt. It wasn't like a prank for television. He was 21 or something at the time. He agreed to this. Our bosses at MTV endorsed this, and he got Darren's photorealistic face tattooed on his ass live on television. Totally healthy work environment. Oh, my God. Speaking of absolutely (laughs) healthy work environments, things that are just totally okay. Like, that man has a lifelong ass tattoo of another man's face. He's going to have to explain that to his kids if he has them one day, to his spouse one day. I mean, I cannot. But to answer your very valid and important questions, Haley, if I were to get a giant back tattoo, what would I get? Mm. Have you thought about this, Jason? Oh, we decided you're getting Gwyneth Paltrow. Right. Yeah. Okay, I feel like I would get... It's tough. I think I could get Crookshank, just all caps across my back, Flowrider style. That way Uh I don't have to, like, spell it out every time, you know, at the bank. I can just turn around and take off my top. Easy. Easy. And you will always know it's me when I'm in line for the Lazy River. Or, you know who else has a super cute tattoo? David Beckham has a tattoo of, like, a little stick figure and a heart that his daughter drew. So I feel like maybe I could just get my kids to design my back piece. And then, you know, I don't have to put every single piece of their art up all over my house to make them feel validated. You know, I can just take my top off instead. You're such a great artist, honey. Look. I also don't have any tattoos because I could never commit to having something on me forever. I changed my outfit twice before recording this podcast. I can't even commit to a look that literally no one will see. And so I can't understand the people who just go out and like get tattoos because they feel like it. I am married to one of them. And when Evan and I were dating, we were living together. So we were serious, but we weren't engaged He went out with friends and came home one night with a giant J tattooed on the back of his arm for me. And like, maybe, see, I feel like that would be the reaction of a lot of people. Just like, wow, flattered. No, Jason, I was horrified. I was like, why did you get that? Why didn't you ask me? What if we break up? I felt trapped by this tattoo. That tattoo trapped me into getting married and having three kids with this person. (laughs) And now I'm getting said kids to design my back tattoo. We've really come full circle here. I want to say a huge thanks to Haley from Calgary and your Pegasus Unicorn for your message. And with that, what should we end on, Jay? Do we go classic Flo Rida or do we go Natasha Bedingfield's Unwritten? Uh, um, Not Heidi's Blackout. Oh, or do we go Heidi's Blackout? (laughs) Unwritten feels right. Unwritten feels right because you know what? The rest is still unwritten. Huge thank you to Whitney Port. So much more with her next week. She has shocking revelations. I mean, you won't believe how and where she met her husband, what she thinks of Olivia Palermo, and her answer about the Lauren Conrad sex tape really is worth waiting for. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, as always, for leaving us five stars and reviewing this show. It really means so much to us. Jason, you means so much to me. Thank you, grown-up. Oh my God, it is an honor to be your grown-up and to work together in this very supportive, inclusive, non-toxic work environment. 
Would you agree? <laughs> yes. Rob, our technical producer, if you agree, turn the music up. Feel the rain on your skin. See a positive, inclusive work environment all around. Let's talk next week. Bye, Jace. Bye. Bye. Phone the friend was created by our mommy, Jesse Crookson. The executive producers are Jesse Crookshank and Jason Yanba. The technical producer is Rob Perrot. The amazing theme song and sexy interludes are by Jay Melanowski from Badwin Sound Clash. Phone a Friend is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Credits are by us, Ray Gatika and Rio Gatika. We're her kids. That's crazy, right? Wow, you're still listening? Okay, see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>